Broadcasting from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. Okay, so we are on episode 64 here. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. So, Stomp, I learned something that I, I'm actually, I'm 50 years old, and I, for some reason I didn't know this, but do you know how they um, fly airplane banners? You know those things that say, like, Jesus saves, or they'll say, like, will you marry me, or it'll be like an advertisement for, like, a car dealership. Do you ever see those airplanes that fly those things? Oh, sure. Yeah. Grew up watching those things. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any idea how they get those things up in the sky? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I didn't know either. I always figured, like, they have the banner, like, they'll take off and they have the banner in the back and somebody, like, just throws it out and it works, right? That's not the case? No, no, I had no idea. They actually take off and then uh, they'll, like, fly around and they have, like, a hook, like, almost like an aircraft carrier. And they'll actually swoop back down and hook onto the airplane banner and then fly up into the sky. That sounds sort of risky. Yeah, I had no idea. I would think that today they would have like retractable or like, you know, some mechanism that releases it and then pulls it back in. Huh. I don't know, because I think a lot of those, um, I feel like a lot of those um, airplanes are like old airplanes. Like they're not, you know, they're not like fancy new new equipment. So anyway, I just yeah. thought that was interesting. I, I just was watching a video and I figured I'd share. Well, thank you. Very yeah. interesting. So I'll post that on the show notes so people will check out, but oh, I didn't know that. So um, Is that the star of the show? Oh, wait a minute. So we have we have Mel and, Flo- and Floki here. Oh. <laughs> Flo- and Floki got the message that it's Naked Hiker Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hello. Oh, she's That's already. Ju- I can already tell. She's already giving a judgmental look. <laughs> Floki's in the house. No, she'll stay for very long. I think she wants some. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I can tell you that there is no safer place. If you don't want to see any naked hikers, there's no safer place to be than the Woodpecker Studio because none of us are getting naked today. <laughs> so, um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm sort of tired of seeing naked butts pop up on my, uh, my news feed. Exactly. I did a little bit of research on Naked Hiker Day just, just to warn people in case you are going to get naked. Um you can risk getting arrested. So there's two things you can get. You can get a misdemeanor charge of indecent exposure. So I think that's like if you're naked and maybe you're only naked for a minute and you put your clothes back on. But then you can also get a felony charge of open and gross lewdness, which is like if you get a police officer, that's even more aggressive. Yeah, Yeah, that's Um, crazy. But apparently national parks, there's no law prohibiting it. National, federal, federal level. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, because I'm curious about that. Yeah. So you have to pick but, and choose your location. Exactly. But the Forest Service and Bureau of Land Management Territories, they'll generally abide by state laws. Yeah. So um, anyway, take your chances if you're going to get naked. <laughs> 
All right. So Mel's got her hands full with with Floki. So Mel, I have a question for you. I found out last week Stomp and Mrs. Stomp have two cats. All right. Yeah, two tuxedos, and they're both females. I just gave her a treat, so hopefully she calms down a little bit. Yep. Okay. All right. So Floki is a Floki's a handful already. We can tell. <laughs> she is. Well, she's eating some catnip right now. So. Um, oh, she is. That's what she. Oh, wanted. that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want your expert cat cat opinion here, um, Mel. Stomp and Mrs. Stomp have two cats: the assistant, or the associate producer, and the assistant associate producer. I think one of them's named Daphne. I forget the other name. They don't get along. They live in the same house. So, do you have any advice on how Stomp can acclimate these two to like each other? Uh, how long have you had them for? Well, we've had Luna. She's the executive producer for several years, but Daphne is a kitten and she came into our lives, you know, just a number of months ago. So, and she's, I forget how old she is. I'll give it a little bit more time. Oh, yeah? When she mellows out of kittenhood, I guess, if you will, although Floki's too, and you can see how (laughs) how well that's working. Um, (laughs) She's literally psychotic right now. Um, That's okay. Which is funny because when you see her on the trails, she's so don't bite. That's not very nice. <laughs> she's so chill and relaxed. Um, yeah, isn't that funny? Normal behavior. It's yeah. A cat. <laughs> we were just looking at pictures of you guys last night, and that's the the exact comment we made. Like, look how chill that cat is. Like hiking the forty eight and just like <laughs> totally mellow. Like, yeah, this is this is cool. She is super chill. She's just not currently because she, I didn't give her attention when I got home from work. So she's yeah, she's showing. Me. Daphne gets like and that too. Tula. Actually, so I have a. Her sister is twelve or thirteen. I rescued her, and I'm not exactly sure on her age, but she actually despised uh, Floki when uh-huh. she first came home, and I just I know it sounds silly, but. I gave her just extra attention and um, spent a little bit more time with her. And they still don't get along, but it's not that constant battle that it was in the beginning. Uh, Floki, once she learned her place, I guess they figured out who was Alpha. Um, mm-hmm. It got a little bit better, but they still have their, their moments where they are fighting or spatting or whatever, but nothing, nothing that's too crazy or unsafe. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of time for them to get used to Yeah, yeah. And I, I had a theory. I don't even know if this works with cats or not, but I know with dogs, like if you have like behavioral issues, like a lot of times the trainers will tell you to switch over to hand feeding the dog. Um, and I was wondering, like, could you do that with cats? Could you just like take their food away and get them used to being hand fed at a certain amount of time? And then if you're hand feeding them together, maybe that becomes a bonding experience or is that just a disaster waiting to happen? don't know i'd be curious to see is it a food aggression thing i think that might be more for like food aggressive behavior mm-hmm. you were awful hmm. needy tonight <laughs> Just, you know. yeah well stomp keep working on it and figure figure it out we want those two cats bonding yeah i will yeah. all right i think you'll be okay eventually it just takes time sometimes especially yeah, if you've had so the other too. one forever yeah luna is definitely the boss and she's never never liked any other cat but they do seem to be mellowing out a bit 
All right. Well, moving on to the next topic here. So stop the Mount Washington road race was this weekend. And this was the first race since I think 2002 where it was cut short and they had to finish at the halfway mark, which was a um, an early omen for what the weather was going to be like this weekend. Um, yeah. Do you know where do they finish stomp when they when they do it halfway? Oh, I, I think it's at the halfway house, right at the the hairpin that leads just before where the dirt started, okay. which is now paved. So it's where the old halfway house hotel would be. Um, I'm pretty sure that's where they would call it because you have extra space there to gather people and turn around and everything else. Um, I've not heard of who won. Any news on that? I didn't look. I'll add that in the show notes. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, oh, I saw the picture too on the Conway Daily Suns today at work, but I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I will. Um, okay. I'll be. But I didn't even realize that they had made it go halfway until I saw that. Yeah, yeah, the weather was really bad, and I think they they this is the only the second time in about twenty five years or so that they've had to do this. So I'll um I'll either pick up the Conway Daily Sun or I'll I'll look it up online and include in the show notes who the winners were. But um, they mm-hmm. couldn't let any vehicles up because it was icy conditions, and uh, they just had the runners run mm-hmm. up to the halfway mark and then make their way back down the auto road. So. Um, Kind of a bummer, I you know, for people that were looking forward to running it and wanting the whole experience. But hopefully yeah. they'll they'll get back in on the lottery next year. And I, I'm going to definitely put in again next year. I forgot to do it this year, so huh. couldn't have done it anyway with graduation <laughs> stuff. So yeah, crazy weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just just goes on to how bad the weather was this weekend. So we've got a bunch of search and rescue stuff that we have to talk about. But um, there's a lot of people that just don't pay attention to weather forecast stomp. I think. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I have no idea what to think about this weekend. I'm still trying to process it. It's bizarre. I mean, this was a terrible weekend. And people are just out there just in the worst places. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that during the search and rescue stuff. But it was, uh, it was numerous rescues and, and calls into... Uh, fishing game around people getting in trouble and luckily there was a number of them that they were able to sort of talk them out of the bad situations but there was some some rough ones this weekend so i think we say this all the time about weather in in the white mountains but even in june and july like you can get situations where you can you can have really bad weather and deal with hypothermia and other scary conditions so um just pay attention yeah be be ready for it be prepared Mm -hmm. pack as if uh you know it's a season colder than what you're in. I mean, even midsummer, we say it again. It's like, it, That's what it we can, did. <laughs> yeah, it can snow midsummer for God's sake. It's like, you just got to be ready for the worst. Especially up there. Yeah. 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 I always make fun of Stomp's giant backpack that he takes even on day hikes, but he's, I always know that he's got me covered. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, I was, That's why I, do it. I was tempted to wear that thing this weekend, but, um, you know, I went with the the smaller pack and just had some shelter stuff, and it was a weird, weird weekend. Anywho, all right. Well, we'll talk about that later on in the show. But uh, bug survey, you got an update on that? We did the bug survey for Andy Cannon. We got a bunch of responses here. I think I, I don't know the details. I quickly read it, and I think everybody thought that they attract bugs. Pretty much was what it came down to, right? Well, Andy, um, thank you again for doing this. Um, it was absolutely a non-scientific survey, but um, Andy wanted to see if there was some correlation between blood type and how much bugs bother you. So out of 40 responses, 
20 people place themselves at the higher end of the scale, meaning like an 8, 9, or a 10 out of 10 as being a bug magnet. And of those 20, so he took the 20 of the people you know, that were getting bothered the worst, um, O plus came in the highest at 35%. So O positive was 35%. Mm-hmm. And then everything else was like, you know, 15%, 5%, 10%. So, I'll, you know, it looks like there was a bump in the, uh, the O positive range, but um, nothing more significant than that. And then he writes, of interest, only eight people um, rated themselves in the lower category, as in bugs don't bother me. And there was no clear difference in those people among blood, blood type. Um, so, there you go. <laughs> Another non-scientific survey from Andy Cannon, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I honestly, like mosquitoes and black flies, like they can be rough, but I, I do try to hike above tree line in the in those seasons when I can to avoid them. But yeah. for me, the worst is when the deer flies come out, and the deer flies are coming oh out soon. God. Those are the worst. Oh, they're out now. Yeah, they're out already up here. Yeah. I've been harassed by them. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're the worst. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah, and I never leave um, for a hike without having my their deer fly patches. Do you use these, Mel or Stomp? Do you guys use the deer fly patches? They're like a um, sticky thing you put on top of your hat. I didn't even hear about them until right now. Yeah, yeah. So there's a um, it's like a very sticky tape that you can put on your hat, and usually just pin it on, and it will collect like a bunch of deer flies, and it's a lifesaver for me. So I'll I'll put a wow a link in the show notes, but they're called tread knots, and you just basically um put a be- like a little pin in your hat, and then it'll stick to the hat, and then from there the flies will just fly right on, and they get stuck, and they don't hmm. bother you. So. They're the cool. worst. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They can leave a welt. Oh, they're awful. They actually make me move faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I always spend half my time like trying to swat them, and you'll get one, but 15 of them will be still flying around. So it's like a... It's like a and yeah, and then you start useless. running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, Stomp. So sponsor and coffee talk here. Let's see. Donations. Um, I don't think we have any donations this week. Um, we have a bunch of notable hikes, which we'll get to, but, um, just a quick shout out to EMS. Thank you again for coming on and, um, great gear over there. And, um, for Reckless, you know, I'm hearing more and more people raving about Reckless. They seem to be coming the go-to place in the, the Northeast here. So at Reckless, uh, you can find the best food, craft beer, and fun. Just 15 minutes from Franconia Notch. Many 4K footers in less than 10 minutes from the Five Corners. And um, I think they're having a big uh, Fourth of July hoo-ha, if anybody's interested. So check out their calendar. And uh, who knows, might see one of us over there. Yeah, they need to open up a second location in like Freiburg, Conway, so in my area, so that I can, uh, I, I don't have to go over the mountains. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Reckless East. Wait, you're over here. Well, I'm in. Um, so I'm in Massachusetts, but my my father-in-law has a. Do you live in Conway? Yeah, I, I'm in Massachusetts, but my, well, my father-in-law has a house in Brownfield, Maine, which is right next to Freiburg. So I come into like North Conway okay. in that yeah. area all the time. Yes. Yep. Yep. So I try to pretend like I'm a local, but not really. That's right. Yes. Awesome. Um, 
All right. And Stomp, I guess one update that I have related to coffee and merchandise is I think we haven't been getting a lot of coffee stuff because people have been requesting for, uh, stickers. And I asked people to just send me like 58 cents for the the stamps. But a lot of people have been sending 5 and $10 just to sort of say thanks and whatnot. So thank you very much for anybody that did that. I'll be using that for to, to cover like stamps and other stuff. Uh, but if you are interested and you want a slasher sticker, which I have right here, we just got our delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, just fill out the Google form on our Facebook page or Instagram, and then we'll send you one. Mel, I'll get your address. I'll send you some uh, for free. I was going to say, I'll take one. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely send some. Oh, thank you. Awesome. All right. So um, welcome to episode 64 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. This week, we are joined by Mel, who is a well-known hiker in the region due to her partner, Floki the Adventure Cat. So anyone who has listened to Slasher knows that we are big fans of furry felines. So we're going to talk with Mel tonight about the logistics, training, and planning that goes into hiking with a cat. Plus, we'll get into Mel's take on the 4,000-footers, the 52 with a view, and find out what she has planned for future adventures with Floki. And then later in the show, I'll speak with Stomp and Mel about the search and rescue activity that went on over the weekend. Unfortunately, there are a number of rescues that occurred across the region due to some extreme weather that rolled in on Saturday. So plenty to cover tonight. So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. All right, all right. So, um, starting with beer talk, I saw you, Mel. You were drinking something. Were you drinking a beer? I am. What do you got? Uh, I am. So, um, right now, I'm drinking a Wicked Hazy um, IPA uh, by Sam Adams. Um, it was just what they had, and I do like it. Um, mm. and typically, I try to do more of the craftier IPAs. Um. I am a huge IPA fan, so if you can recommend any, <laughs> I'd love yeah. to check them out. Yeah, we always recommend Reckless Brewing, but uh, there's there's a ton. So uh, they're my favorite. I love going there. Yeah, awesome, great stuff. And I actually just checked out a Foam Brewery in Burlington. Um, I was over there last week while I was on vacation, um, and then we were trying to check out the. Uh, I can't even pronounce it correctly. The Alchemist, Alchemist, <laughs> that brewery oh, over okay. in Burlington as well, but we ran out of time. Yeah. So many options. There are. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> I've got nothing. I'm just drinking some OJ, trying to rehydrate. Sorry. Well, I have a night, <laughs> night shift brewing. Um, number 87. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. And I actually, last week I was like, I don't know what the 87 stands for. So my friend, uh, Mike Keen, Mike and Jen Keen, hello. Um, we miss you on social media, but stay off of social media. It's toxic. Um, so Mike actually reached out to me and gave me a heads up and said that, um, the 87 stands for, I think the address for where night shift brewing is located. I think they're in Everett, Mass. So hmm. thank you for solving that mystery. Cool. Yep. They're off social media, like permanently or just a break? Are they fasting? Uh, I think Mike's on Instagram. I think Jen's off for, uh, I don't know, probably forever. Oh, nice. Sure. Huh. So, uh, but they're great. They get out hiking all the time. They're, they're always running around with uh, Jen's daughter getting out there. So yeah. hello to them. 
Yeah. And then um, speaking of hike stomp, you done anything recently? Oh yeah. I, well, thank God I didn't do anything this weekend because it was a little busy. But uh, yesterday I just did Welch Dicky counterclockwise and cranked it out yeah. backyard. It's it's just a, such a great place. So it was nice, super dry, so that the boots were sticking like magnets on the uh, ledges coming down Welch, and uh, it was just awesome. My wife's like, boy, you did that fast. I, I think I probably did it maybe like an hour and a half, the whole loop. That's not too shabby for an old guy. No, it's not bad. No, it's good. <laughs> How about you two? I have not been out. I'm getting super cranky. I yelled at my wife. I'm, I apologize to my wife. Um, but I was like, don't even talk to me on the 4th of July weekend. I'm going hiking the whole time because we were. I was going to go hiking yesterday. But I, my daughter, she's got an apartment in Worcester. She's moving in there. So I had to go help her. And I was like, then we'll, we'll move in. We'll put the bed and the desk and the chair together and then go up to Kinsman's because she needs the Kinsman's for her 4,000 footer. So I was like, that's the plan. Yeah. By the time we got to Worcester and then put the bed and the desk and the chair together and then like poked around the house to fix like the plumbing issues and all this other stuff in her crappy apartment. Uh, it was too late, so I was like on fire yesterday. Yeah, I, I calmed down a little bit. So. When are you gonna get out? I don't know. Well, I can't go next weekend because I have like graduation party at at my house. So, oh my goodness, just, June has been awful. Well, I'll tell awful. you what. I mean, if you can sneak out Sunday, we're gonna be going floating. The first float of the year. It's gonna be ninety oh, down the Pemi. It's funny, we were talking about it yesterday, and then today I get a, uh, a text from Nick. He's like, hey, you want to go floating? I'm like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's probably, the water's probably not super high now, because it hasn't rained much, right? Uh, well, it's been raining a bit, a little bit. It's still early season, but it's I'm, I'm more concerned about the cold. It's still going to be pretty chilly. But on a 90-degree yeah. day, you can't go wrong. Yeah. And Mel, have you been out recently? Um, so I did get out this weekend. Um and I actually, because I had no cell phone service most of the week, I did not know how awful Saturday was going to be, but I didn't go out Saturday. I went out Sunday, um, which wasn't, I guess, much better. Um, but for us, it really wasn't that bad. Um, we, my best friend, Michaela and I, we went up um, Franconia Ridge and we crossed over to, we did the whole like uh, flume and Liberty and we were fully prepared for all conditions. We woke up at our campsite um, fairly early, and I had been listening to the wind all night, so I knew it was going to be pretty windy, but I also knew that it was supposed to die down at some point in the afternoon. Um, yeah. And where, as I tell all of my hiking partners, you know, I'm fairly slow with Floki. She adds a good 15 pounds, 10 to 15 pounds to my pack, which, like you, I carry um, everything and then some, just because I've been on plenty of search and rescues myself. Um, so I'm always prepared to help myself and anybody I'm with or people I meet that may need it. Um, so my pack weighs between 20 and 30 pounds uh, when I've got Floki. And so I knew going up when we had spikes and everything. Uh, I think I wore gloves probably most of the day, but I have severe uh, rain odds. So um, that's, you know, just my normal, even on a 90 degree day. If I catch a chill, my fingers are gone. Okay. So... Um, so we knew, and we, we had some volunteers at the trailhead who, um, 
you know, warned us, you know, what the winds were going to be like up top. Um, I have, and Floki has as well, um, been in those types of conditions before um, multiple times. Um, I've turned away from those, you know, conditions as well multiple times. But I felt fairly confident that we would make that call when we reached the hut um, and looking up at Lafayette. Like it wasn't, it was fairly soft in, but I also have a Garmin in reach and I checked the, the forecast on there. Um, again, and we did, I went through, I think I go through, I do mountain forecast. Um, I think it's trails and H the higher summit forecast, of course. And yeah. so I just, you know, I kind of looked at all of those and was like, well, you know, it doesn't look that great, but let's, um, you know, let's at least get to the hut and see, you know, how we're feeling when we get there and what the temp is like. And honestly, it really wasn't bad there. And even, um, going up Lafayette, it wasn't horrible. Like it was definitely gusty. Um, my main concern, which I've read a lot of comments about were the people that we were bumping into coming down. Yeah. Um, were just not prepared. And I hate being the Monday morning quarterback because everybody knows their own level, I hope. And um, so I hope that, you know, they just were comfortable or maybe they just didn't know. I don't know. I, I don't like to judge. So, um, but I knew going up, we were going to, we would be all right. And we totally were. Uh, the wind was high. They had told us at the bottom, it was about gusts up to 70 miles an hour. I'm not sure that we hit 70. It's hard to honestly tell. Um, we definitely experienced some wind, but not even on Lafayette. It was more just on the ridge line going towards uh, North Lincoln and then Lincoln itself. Yep. Um, and once we dropped down from Lincoln, going across that ridge right there over to um, Haystack, we had a couple gusts, but it wasn't anything that we couldn't manage or felt unsafe. And we had great, once we dropped off a of Lafayette and even on, like the visibility wasn't that terrible. So we just, we felt fairly confident, um, especially having been in those conditions before and having all the gear that we needed. If we just moved slow and steady and just, you know, we're careful and we were and, and it was great, but I, I understand that uh, from what I've read anyway, that Saturday did not, um, did not sound like it was a great time up there. Um, and it, just being in Lincoln at our campsite uh, at the Hancock campground, like the wind whipping through there was pretty incredible when we went to bed and we knew in the morning we were going to call, you know, whether or not we were even going to attempt to hike, but it had died down pretty substantially at that point. Yeah. And I think going up to the hut is always a good strategy is just get up there assess what it's like. Maybe you get some intel from people coming back down. And then I'm assuming on Sunday, I wasn't, I wasn't really paying attention that much, but I think the the big difference too is like you weren't dealing with a lot of moisture. Like it wasn't that cold rain that no. was coming through, right? Uh, we definitely had some sleet. Um, our, our biggest problem, I think out of the whole day was just on the ridgeline coming down was the rime ice um, that was melting, I guess, being blown in the wind. Um, and so you had like little ice balls of decent size, you know, potentially breaking off the rock or the trees or whatever coming at you, the shrubs and stuff. Um, but it, it was nothing, you know, awful. It was just like, oh, geez, watch out. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have in my notes too, I'm always like, I would take like a zero degree winter day versus like a, a sleeting 35, 40 degree day with a lot of wind, it can be even more dangerous in those conditions. 
Yeah, absolutely. Especially the wind, if you're not prepared and you don't have spikes, you have no, you know, traction with that type of, that type of weather, but. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's, that sounds like a, a fun adventure. I'm jealous. And um, I'm going to go was. yell. I, it's the first time I'd ever attempted that entire ridge. Um, I've been training the last couple of years, just trying to get strength. And I was really happy with it. It was incredible. Now I know why people do it so much. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, next time you just need to hit it on a bluebird day. I know. I know. I have been up there once before yeah. on a beautiful day and it's totally, it's like breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, all right, stomp. So we got no. We didn't do notable hikes last week. So do you, you? You must have like a big list. I would think. I do. Yeah, I'll try to zip through them. So Mel, people like tag us on hikes, and we just give them a shout out. Yeah, tag slasher on your adventure, and uh, we'll give you a shout out. And um, I'll just get right to it because there's a quite a lengthy list. So Mel and Mike, you guys can decide the winner and maybe a second place runner up because there's plenty to choose from. We have uh, Mike Denley who went to Emerald Pool. A Danish girl who, you know, just um, posted a bunch of beautiful pictures. Uh, she relocated to New Hampshire last year from Denmark and um, credits the podcast for educating her regarding the region. Uh, Run, cast, run, did cardigan with a bunch of students. And it was a rainy day that uh, changed over to sun as time went on. Full strength coffee, did a tri-pyramid loop. Connor J. Lee found the cave on Manadnock. That's my nephew. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, nice name. job. Yep. Cool place. Well, yep. Yeah, cool. Um, hike, a take, go, did wide face for end Alzheimer's. Brando624 awesome. did uh, WTF with friends, and that's uh, Willie, Tom, and Field. And then I have a couple images here because it was a little in-depth. Lauren McVarren, oh, McVarendolph mentioned us, and she did 27.5 miles, 8 1,500 feet of elevation gain, um, completed just 1345. I'm not even sure what this was, but... Uh, it's got to be like a super extended PEMI or something. I guess, yeah. Uh, thank you for the tag. Uh, yeah, Jake and Julie sent an email, actually, of their epic 25-miler running through Lincoln Woods up to Galehead and then over. Uh, let's see, Birches at Deer Park did Jacob's Ladder. Uh, exercise machine <laughs> and tagged us so that's sort of funny yeah, it's like a step up from the dreadmill it's like the dreadmill on steroids uh, Martin Pazzani hey, hey. Ah, my kitty's going nuts in here too uh, so Martin uh, was preloading at Reckless for Prezi thank you Martin for uh, going to Reckless and uh, shouting out to Slasher Apollo the Hound summits Indian Head three times. Congratulations, Apollo. That's quite the effort. Woof. Steve summits did Avalon, uh, Tom Field, Willie, and Hale. Captain Chris Wright and Tracy Morgan um, summited the Canadian Rockies. This was Mount Athabasca today. Spectacular scenery. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're crushing it. They're always out there doing amazing mm -hmm. stuff. Um, let's see. We got tagged by G-N-I-H Sukmas. <laughs> Some of these names are wacky. So sh this person bushwhacked to the Pompeli Cave. Crushing peaks. All right. Good job. Uh, we're almost done, people. Now we have 
Adventure Life at 50. Um, this individual actually tags us because they do a lot of search and rescue things. Um, and I believe they're overseas. But um, this was a weekend per stage one search dog training in the beautiful Southern Lake District National Park uh, in the shadow of the old man of Coniston. Ha! Pretty neat. Pan searched art did lookout ledge full strength coffee again comes in with emotes and that was a special father daughter day hike so that's what we have so what do you think what was the notable hike of the week there's a lot to choose from i struggle but i love them i love the moats and i love the father daughter theme so i'm gonna go with full strength coffee and the runner up i'll say my nephew connor at the pompelli cave because i gave him the i gave him the intel all right how about you mel how about third place uh the father daughter i think that's awesome the long mileage day i think would be my second runner up because that's a big day yeah oh heck yeah yeah it sure is so thanks everybody for tagging us. It's it's sort of cool that uh, people are doing that, and uh, obviously it helps get the word out about the podcast, and um, you know get you your fifteen minutes of <laughs> fame <laughs> on this dumb podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, Mel. This is your segment. You ready to go? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for Slasher's Guest of the Week. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I'll do a quick intro and then, Mel, I'll start, I'll start peppering you with a bunch of questions here. But basically, I think throughout the podcast, we've had like a running theme of like we always talk about like celebrity animals. Like we've talked about Atticus. We've talked about Oscar, the hiking basset hound. We talked about the um, the dog that got rescued. I think we did episode 11. We did like a deep dive on that that dog that got rescued up by uh, Lake of the Clouds Hut. Mm-hmm. We've always talked about like Stomp's cats and his uh, <laughs> his whole running situation. I think Mrs. Stomp is clearly a crazy cat lady. They've had like three or two or three cats at all times. So we always love animals here. And, you know, we've followed your adventure I know you kind of blew up on the media when uh, when Floki finished the 4,000 footers, and we've always sort of talked about wanting to get you on. So we're so excited to have you join. So I think maybe to start off with, could you just sort of introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your own personal history with hiking and outdoor adventures, and then we'll talk, we'll get into Floki in a moment. Sure. Uh, so I am Mel Elam. Um, I have been hiking uh, for... Well, I guess continuously about two, three years now. Um, I originally started this journey, I think roughly in 2014. Um, I saw someplace uh, about Seek the Peak. And Mm. I started training to climb Washington. And that was my first 4,000 footer. Um, I lost probably about... 60 to 80 pounds, um, training for that. Wow. Um, and then did it and, um, and I just fell in love. Like it was empowering and it was incredible. Um, I got into trail running for a brief time in between two of my children. Um, and then a couple of years ago or a few years ago now, I guess God time is just going by so fast. Um, 
I just started hiking uh, with a friend of mine and just literally fell in love with it and it kept going. And it's just, it's been a huge part of my life, obviously, as everybody knows at this point. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's, yeah, I think everybody can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you started off like we, like I think most people, it's pretty common. Like I'm a day hiker. I focus on like doing all the list, 4,000 footers, 52 with a view, terrifying 25. Yeah. I know that you were doing the 4,000 footers with Floki. Was that how you sort of started was like focusing on the lists? Well, so I started on my own to do the 4,000 footers. Um, and Floki just, just kind of fell into it. Um, I used to hike with uh, my chocolate lab, uh, Leia, uh, and she lived to be 15. Um, I retired her, I think, around the age of 11. Uh, she had the normal lab, bad hips, um, yep. and then laryngeal paralysis, which is eventually um, what took her from us. But she was she was my, my hiking buddy. Um, and unfortunately never made it up any of the 4,000 footers because I wasn't strong enough yet to do them, but that was the plan. And um, I did a lot of solo hiking and I had an experience <laughs> um, and I didn't want to be out there alone anymore. So I can't have a dog right now. It just doesn't make sense um, and where I live. And so my, uh, male cat that I had for also 15 years, I got him and Leia at the same time, um, passed away. And Tula, the other rescue cat that I was talking about, was bonded with him. Mm -hmm. And so my landlord, who is also a very, very wonderful uh, friend of mine and co-worker, was just like, Mel, <laughs> can you please adopt another cat? You know, we can hear Tula. She's looking for, you know, Darth. And so I went to Conway Area Humane Society after um, after looking on their website for, you know, kittens. And they had this little black kitten that I was going to go look at and a little boy. Um, and I love the show The Vikings and the name Floki just sounds like really playful and fun. It's a great show. And as I was looking at him and his page, um, Floki was beneath him. And she literally like reached through the cage and grabbed my clothes and held on, uh, which I know they all do that, but it was it just, was destiny. You know, she was the first one that did it. And, uh, and the, the volunteer there was like, why don't we, you want to take a look at her? Cause she seems to really like you. Cause she wouldn't let me go. And so I took her out and she just, <laughs> you know, that, was, that was it. <laughs> and so that's, that's how neat. Floki came to yeah, that is cool. That's actually similar to how I, I, when I got my dog, and this goes back years when I was like a teenager, but like I went to go pick out a dog at a, at a shelter in Jamaica yeah. Plain in Boston. And that was the same scenario as I was like looking at these dogs. And I think they showed pictures where we were sitting in the waiting room and then we went through and like the dog that I ended up getting, my dog Popcorn, he jumped up right away the second I came through and was like <laughs> reaching out through the cage. And I was like, all right, this guy wants to come home. So that I guess yeah, they know. Yeah, that's I, I have a dog like that too. Um, my other dog, my Heinz 57 is what I call him. He lives with um, my children's father. Um, and it was the same thing. He, 
every dog in there was barking and he was the only the only one that had his nose sticking through the fencing on his door showing his front teeth and i was like oh my gosh look at him <laughs> and i remember it's um, I remember being like, please, no, not that one. There's something wrong with him. And there truly is. <laughs> he's, he's special. <laughs> but oh, yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> awesome. And then, so you've completed the 4,000 footers. Are you doing the 52 with the views right now? Is that what you're pursuing? Um, yeah, I sort of. So I, I'm going off all the lists just to have an idea of where to go. Um. The 48s was kind of my biggest goal. And then, of course, once Floki got into the mix and all of that started, um, it just, it was like, well, I'll finish them with her, I guess. And so I finished them with her and then we finished hers. I think it'll be a year uh, this weekend ago. And um, and then I was like, well, where to next? Like, where haven't we been? Um, and so I, I learned about the 52 with a view and the terrifying 25 and the New England I don't know. I think this picture on my wall says 111, but I think it's actually like what 116, 117. There's a whole, there's a bunch of different uh, lists. So I've mm -hmm. sort of just been checking them off as I go. Um, I find myself in the 4000s a lot just because I have developed this love of being on summits and just the feeling you have when you get up there. Um, <laughs> so that's just kind of, and a lot of my friends are working on huge goals and I love being there with them when they crush them or when we get another peak for them. And I just like to be out at this point. Um, and so it doesn't really matter where we go. Got it. Now, do you, do you tend to like lock in a hike and say like, okay, I'm going to plan this out or do you do more of sort of winging it and saying like, I know I'm going to hike and um, I'm just going to pick something when I get up in the morning? As all my my friends and hiking partners will will probably agree with is I'm sort of like an organized chaotic mess. <laughs> so I tend to wait until the last minute to say this is what I want to do because I like to take a lot of things into consideration. You know the weather, um, how my body is feeling because I deal with a lot of autoimmune issues. Um, you know, the time, because usually I have my children for, you know, one day and one night over the weekend. So it just for me, it's, it's easier just to be like, Oh, hey, I have time for this, this weekend, and the weather looks great. So why don't we do this? And it'll be like, I'll put myself up in almost anything, because I know my skill set, I know that I have the gear, and I know that I have absolutely no problem turning around if I need to. Um, but when it comes to Floki, like I definitely like to have an idea of what type of weather I'm facing. Um, or even if I had Leia, you know, a dog or something with me, it would be the same thing uh, because I can protect myself better than they can protect themselves. So it, that's usually um, my deciding factor on what I'm hiking. Got it. That makes sense. And then do you prefer to... Um, stick closer to home or are you down for like doing long drives if you need to? Oh, I will absolutely do long drives. Um, I recently, the last few that I've done, I did old spec, which is about an hour and a half from here. Okay. Um, I did Mount Marcy <laughs> because I was over there for vacation in Burlington and I was like, Oh look, it's right across the lake. <laughs> I didn't realize how big the lake was, <laughs> but, yeah. but I did it. I took the ferry over and, um, I had been trying to get there for two years and every single time I have tried to go over something has happened that has prevented it from happening. But 
there I was. And so I did it. Unfortunately, I did not have Floki, but come to find out, I actually don't think she can even go because they don't allow dogs. I think it's on the AD, ADC trails or something. I, I can't remember exactly the verbiage that I read, but I was like, oh, all right. So, <laughs> um, so I was able to get that one. And then obviously we came back and uh, I grabbed Flokes and we did the Franconia Liberty Flume Traverse, but I will absolutely travel um, for anything. Awesome. Well, I want to talk about Floki, but before I get into that, I do want to take advantage of your knowledge of the North Country for people that are listening, either like hiking or just sort of summer adventures. So we've been asking guests like in the summer, like, do you have any sort of advice on like awesome things to do that may not necessarily be like hiking related, could be like food, coffee, adventures that are oh, yeah. hiking related? What's your go-to advice? I'm going to North Conway for the weekend and I want to know. <laughs> Okay, so if you're coming to North Conway for the weekend, I would absolutely recommend, and I know this is probably cliche for everybody listening, but um, for me, I've lived here for almost 16 years, and I have not once tubed down the Saco. (laughs) So last (laughs) Monday was my very first uh, first go at it, and now I know why everybody does it. (laughs) So I would absolutely... Oh my time. gosh, it's so much fun. And I have a kayak, so I was in my kayak, but it was incredible. Uh, so yeah. I would absolutely recommend doing that. Um, and it doesn't have to be like a party. It was just relaxing and you don't have to do much if the uh, river was low, which at the time it was, and I think still is relatively low. So there wasn't, you know, you just have to <laughs> be able to get over the shallow spots without <laughs> dipping, which I did. <laughs> um, but it was it was so much fun. And then for, you know, food options and stuff, I would say probably the moat uh, is a really popular spot. Their beer is incredible. Um, Ledges Brewery, they have really, really great beer. Uh, They're fairly recent uh, to the Valley, but they also have, um, I think, some food trucks and live music in the summertime. Tuckerman's, obviously, everybody knows about them. I'm trying to think what else is out here. There's just, there's so much. If you like shopping, of course, there's the outlets. and But then you have all the um, the local venues as well, like the Penguin and Zeb's and all those popular places. And <laughs> Zeb's. It's just, there's a lot you can see. Yeah, and North Conway's so great. Yeah. Like, randomly, like, you'll go, uh, like, we'll go in and we'll be like, all right, we're going to go to Zeb's and we're going to go to the Met to get coffee. But then you'll go on to the Common and there'll be, like, a craft fair going on or something. So there's always yeah, something yeah. cool going on in North Conway. And then there's this new place uh, just up from the just up from Zeb's on the corner. And it this is, like, the third time it's changed. And, God, I cannot remember the name, of course, now. Oh, on the other side of the Five and Dime, right? Yes, uh, yeah. and I've heard that they they are incredible. And I got yeah. it used to be an ice cream place, and I don't know what it is now. Yeah, like something below, and now it's something else. But it's it's supposed to be good. Twenty seven North, I've heard, is really good. I think that's on CB Street. Um, there's just there's a lot there's a lot of stuff up yeah. here, North but definitely tubing on the Sacco and barley and salt or the ledges, um, the moat. You can see dogs. Is, they're all really good. All right. I'll uh, I'll add some of these suggestions in the show notes. And like I said, with North Conway, like you never know what you're going to run into. Matter of fact, I was at the craft fair the other day 
in North Conway. Oh yeah. And yeah. I got this. It's a and I'll I'll post a picture of this on the um, slasher Facebook page. But stop. This is like a it's a it's an it's a cell phone holder. Like it's a stand for your phone. Okay. And it's a Mount yeah. Shakur themed cell phone holder. Oh, that's so cool. It's awesome. I just really I put it like beautiful. right next to my um, computer, and then I can just like. <laughs> Play with my phone the put whole time. Yeah, it's pretty and cool. That's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like $8, so you never know what you're going to find up north. That's not bad. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so that was good stuff, Mel. So now we want to talk about Floki. So you talked a little bit about um, the decision to adopt a rescue cat. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, how did you go about bonding with Floki to start with? Cats can be a little bit, you know, they have a reputation for being a little bit distant, not as friendly as dogs. You kind of, if you're a dog person, you kind of have to adjust your thinking a little bit. But can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you got to sort of bond with Floki and just sort of cats in general? Um, I've had cats since I was four years old. (laughs) So I've experienced all different types of personalities. And honestly, I, Floki... And my, like I said, my hiking friends will hear this and they're going to laugh because (laughs) she is not normal. And I say that all the time when I'm out with her. Um, She's not, I have never, never met a cat like Floki. I'm not sure how she came to be. I know who she came from, Fort Lauderdale. I don't know why she's so different. (laughs) She is, she's incredible. Like she as far as bonding, there wasn't much that I had to do for that. Cause like I said, from the very beginning, she just knew that I was her person. Um, and I think I mentioned a long time ago in a, in a post or something that, you know, she rescued me because she did essentially. Um, <laughs> and nice. she, she just, she's crazy and she's sweet and she's, just truly different um at home she acts like a normal cat for sure um half of the time but like last night she when i got back from work she just like laid down on the floor would not let me move through the house unless i paid attention to her like meaning she was doing circles around my legs and grabbing onto me and so i got down on the floor with her and she laid on her back and i just cradled her and she (laughs) just laid there and then let me give her raspberries didn't attack my face like you would think a normal cat probably would have drawn blood or like bitten me nope she just laid there and purred and loved it that's Um, really neat she typically has to be right next to me at all times i'm actually i'm looking around for her because i'm shocked that she's not right here i think she got the point when i put her down on the floor earlier when she was (laughs) attacking me it almost sounds like very dog-like like Like, uh, german shepherds have that reputation for following their owners around like everywhere i think she's she's a dog that's what i always say when i talk about her um and other things that i've done like she she's very much like a dog always right there she's my shadow i think she's probably pouting right now is what she's doing (laughs) she's sort of like a child too here's here's daphne she wanted to say hi 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 daphne Oh my goodness, look at those feet. Oh, I know. She's funny. She has a little Batman insignia on her belly that's white fur. And in certain positions, with the way she lays, it looks just like the Batman signal up in the sky. It's so funny. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I guess Floki has a heart. Oh, really? Somebody told me that on her left over here. 
Oh, she's. I think Mel's wrangling a cat here. But I had a question. So, <laughs> no, no, I was saying Loki has a heart on her shoulder. Oh, oh, oh I see. Oh, got it. Got it. Um, yes. One of the things I'm curious about is I didn't realize this, but when I, I would see you on social media and I would see Floki in the backpack. And I had this like idea in my head that like the backpack was sort of like empty or like very deep and oh, like no. Floki was sticking it. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but like, that's not the case. Like you, your backpack is filled all, the, it's almost like, mm-hmm. I think it's not the way I would She's describe it. on is, top of all of the stuff that I would normally carry. Yeah, okay. She's like, ba- yeah. She's like balancing on the top. Like she's not in the backpack. She's yeah. just balancing on top. So Well, no, she's in. She I have a mountain hardware. Where is it? Oh, it's right here. Um, I'm trying to see if there's a name of the pack because I don't even I don't pay attention that much. Yeah. Um the 35 liter scrambler. So it's one of uh mountain hardware. But your gait when you carry Floki must be like, did you do you change your gait at all? Like with the idea that like, oh geez, I don't want to throw the cat or the cat just like d- reacts no. to you? She just reacts to me. <laughs> In fact, um, there is a video that I never posted because I was worried that people would share their opinions and <laughs> be angry with me, even though she was totally fine. You can see that in the video. But when I backpacked the uh, Catskills and did the Devil's Path last November, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a video. <laughs> We have her on the pack and I squat down. I've got everything, everything in the pack. And she's sitting on top and she's carabinered and clipped because I had no idea what the trail was going to be like. And I just wanted to kind of get moving before I let her down. And that's typically how we start our hikes. I'll start with her carabinered um, just to like get going and my legs warm up. And then, and she'll tell me, you know, if she has to get down before that or when she's ready to get down and then I'll unclip her and she'll literally jump off my shoulder and start hiking. Um, and so in this video, I pick her up right to there. put her on me. And um, yeah, Chris actually just found it. And she she falls out of the back <laughs> and she literally just dangles, like doesn't react at all. She just hangs there like all four paws out just <laughs> and that's just how much she trusts me. She's okay. just hanging in the air like, oh, yep, here we go. This is normal. That's um, awesome. And it was so funny, but, and I would have posted it, but like I said, you know, people and opinions and everything. And so I didn't, but it just, she just, she doesn't, she reacts to how I did. There was a Musilaki. I actually fractured. um, We think I don't have proof that I fractured it, but my orthosurgeons that I work with believe there was a good possibility that I may have um, after looking at it six weeks after I healed it because I finally said something. But of course, Muslaki, we were going um, and I fell and I fell hard. Um, and for whatever reason, when we had left the summit, I forgot to strap my waist strap. And I'll never make that mistake again, especially with Floki on me, because when I fell, I fell with such force because my spike, it was during the winter. Um, got caught on a rock under the ice. And so my 30 pound pack came up over my head and knocked me like down on the ground even harder. And I couldn't get up. And um, Floki, of course, is totally fine. She's hanging out like, okay, mom, <laughs> here we go. We're down again. <laughs> Close got up call. And was able, and I got out on my own. Everything was fine. I just had some bumps and bruises and a pretty good scrape. Um, it wasn't until I warmed up because of Raynaud's and everything that I actually realized like, oh man, I actually hurt myself 
Um, <laughs> but she just, she trusts me so much that she just, she doesn't care. Like if I go down, she's just there with me. And I, I almost think that she, as a cat, maybe enjoy, I don't, I don't know. I can't tell, but she does love to jump down her own. She, when she was a kitten, she would climb back up. I don't let her do that now because she's as heavy as she is and it's yeah. not going to feel very good. Um, but she just, she's like a dog. It's, yeah. And you're dealing <laughs> with like, it's, it's against sort of the conventional, like whenever you're doing a backpacking trip, Conventional wisdom oh, right. is like you put the, the sort of the heavier stuff down low by your waist, but yeah. you're constantly top heavy, but you must be used to it by now. But oh, you right. even, you even like sometimes like I'll see video or pictures where Floki won't even be in the backpack. He'll be, he'll be, she'll she'll be riding on your on sh- yeah. shoulder, right? Yes. Yeah. Or even the back. Actually, Michaela and I were just talking about this on Sunday. She, where she's gotten so big. Um, she likes to, I'm just going to hold, I know, I don't think anybody else can see it, but I know you guys can. She'll lay like on the top of the pack, like her whole body sprawled out and (laughs) her front paws, she'll let dangle hang over my shoulder. But the majority of her weight is now over my like butt because she's not even up. So I have to, she got mad at Michaela because we stopped for a second when we were below tree line. I was like, can you please just pull that drawstring up around her rear end so that she's at least not sliding because the more she slides, the more off kilter I am. And the harder it is for me to go on these ups because all that weight is now on my feet instead of, you know, my shoulders. And, um, (laughs) she hissed at Michaela and I guess tried to bite her. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't go in the pack. We wanted to be down on the trail, but we were running close. We wanted to be down before dark. And so I had, you know, I put her back up in a carabiner because we were, we came down the flume slide and I did not want her to be loose on that. Obviously. I mean, I don't have to explain that. So she, um, she was not a happy cat because she wanted to be down. Yeah. And when you, huh. when she does want to be down, does she signal to you or do she, do you generally, I know you said you had one issue <laughs> where she didn't have enough lead, but do you give her enough lead where if she wants to jump down on her own, she can do that? Or does she sort of just start oh, crawling down? Yeah. No, um, I actually I haven't had a chance yet to post the videos or uh, many pictures from this past weekend, but I've gotten to the point where I just clip the chest strap through the handle of her lead, and she's got a I believe it's a six foot lead, um, and like this weekend I didn't even have to hold on to it. I kept it carabinered and then clipped in that, and she just took me like she was trail running, okay. um, and so. If I'm not on something technical or on something where I really need to just be moving um, because of time or weather or whatever, she has the freedom to be able to jump off. Um, obviously, she can't go more than, you know, six feet, but she um, she just, yeah, she does it on her own. Interesting. And then <laughs> does she know that you guys are going for a hike? Like, do you pack up your gear? And like, cause I'm assuming dogs do that. Like, again, my wife won't let me get a dog, but I'm working yes. on it. But like you get all your stuff packed up. Like she, does she, she get the, the message like I'm going? Yes. Yeah, she does. Wow. That is so she knows, And she'll often like, she'll see the pack. Sometimes she's actually hidden a couple times in the winter, mostly. <laughs> I don't blame her because I wanted to hide too. Yeah. <laughs> but, and that, and that wasn't because she didn't want to go. It's just because all the gear and all the noise and, you know, cats are, are still cats and they don't like all that, you know, craziness as we know. Um, 
but she once we're in the car she loves her car bed um it's just a cat bed that i have on the seat and i i buckle the seat belt and then i carabine her to it or if i have somebody with me and i'm driving <laughs> she'll often be in my daughter's car seat and that's just because it's the only available seat open um and she'll be carabinered back there just so god forbid you know if anything ever were to happen she's not going to be a loose object in the car and she's somewhat secured yeah, and yeah. safe and is she normally is she normally an indoor or an outdoor cat at home? Is she always indoors? She's normally indoor. Okay. Do you have any concern, like, if she got off lead for some reason that she would take off, or would she stick by you? Um, She's a cat, so I don't trust anything she would do off a leash in the woods. Okay. <laughs> okay. Does she like um, feeding Gray Jays? <laughs> she's actually terrified of the Gray Jays. <laughs> We discovered on a uh, wire field in Tottenham. Well, that's and, uh, good. Like, I know where some plump ones are. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think because our apartment is or is pretty high up off the ground, so we don't – they'll definitely come to, like, my deck, but we're more like a second story. And so she doesn't get a lot of view of the birds and stuff. Uh, so her first <laughs> – She's afraid of um, squirrels, chipmunks she doesn't okay with, but the gray jays and the squirrels, I, I think because we don't have a lot of wildlife that she can see from here, we get out there and she sees that and she's like, what is that? Yeah, <laughs> Especially yeah. Especially the gray jays. That's funny. It is funny. It's, it's She like ducks down and her ears go flat and she's kind of... <laughs> oh, yeah. Daphne does that too when the squirrels come out. Yeah. She wiggles her butt back and forth and her ears go flat. Yeah. It's the cutest yep. thing. Or tonight, for the first time ever, I heard her barking at... I had a house guy <laughs> and I hear this noise. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I realize it's her under the table doing that cat bark. You know that yeah, yeah, they look yeah. out the window. They do that. We I can't even replicate it, but that's what yeah. she was doing, and I've never heard her doing. I'm like, what is this, something dying? Like, what is that sound? <laughs> now, um, and this may you may have more limits than Floki if you have Raynaud's, but like from weather conditions, like what are the limits as far as like <laughs> snow and cold and like what is your? I, I know you get out there. Like I've seen v- pictures of you winter hiking, but like, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. Um, there really is, if I know I'm going to be uncomfortable, then I know she's going to be uncomfortable. It's basically what I go off of. Um, hmm. Floki has a zero degree down vest <laughs> that I found <laughs> at a thrift shop. Um, <laughs> I think it's meant for a dog, but it fits her and it has a hood. So, oh my goodness. Especially in the dead of winter, like that's what she'll be wearing. Um, huh. I also, she's got like a, a heated kitten condo back there if she were to need it. Between my body heat, I put body warmers, hand warmers. Um, I usually carry two puffies, like I said, in the event anybody else is out there or I get one wet. Um, they're packable, but I leave them unpacked and just rolled up in there. And so I'll wrap her in them if I think she's going to be cold. Um, <laughs> it, like on the ridge this weekend, as soon as the gust started, I leave the drawstring top of the pack open. And she's able to lift her head in and out as she pleases. And one of the hmm. videos that I will be posting, um, 
I show my pack and you can't even tell that she's in there because she has hunkered down so much. But then there's another spot like on top of Flume, I think it was, and Liberty both, even with the high winds, like she had her head out and she's smiling at all the people that we ran into and like breathing in the wind and doing that smile that everybody has um, seen, you know, in her videos and pictures. And, um, but she, if I think it's going to be the winds, especially in the winter, like the wind chill and everything else, too cold, even for a person, I don't dare bring her. If I really feel the need to get out in that, I'll go by myself or with a partner, but not with her. I just sent Mike a picture of a cat with goggles on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen those before. <laughs> Have you seen, uh, you see this? Uh, where is yeah. it? Yes. <laughs> Kitty goggles. <laughs> yes. So I had multiple people um, message me over the winter asking me if, if I would do that for her because they were concerned for her eyes. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's, a, you know, that's a fair concern. I have definitely seen, you know, dogs... I don't think in New Hampshire, but in pictures of like, what is it? The There's a cat and a dog that everybody follows on Instagram. And I can't think of the name of the dog right now. Huh. And I even, is it Harry? I don't I'm remember. Sure. I feel like like skateboarding dogs and cats, like they wear those goggles, right? <laughs> and there is a cat that is in, I want to say Washington or something that, uh, its owner is a guide or something, and it definitely had goggles on on a post this past winter. And I was like, I wonder if Lucky would do that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think. Yeah, well, yeah. If anybody's listening cat. and they like sell cat goggles, like send Mel some cat goggles to test out. I'll give it a go. Absolutely. Um, I might not have much skin left, but <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> yeah. So, Mel, I have a question. Like, if I saw you on, so I saw Oscar the Basset. Have you, do you, you know Oscar the Basset Hound? Have you ever heard of him? I don't. This is the first I've heard of him, unless I've met him. And I'm so sorry if I have and you hear this. <laughs> I've met so many people. He was like a semi-famous, like, he, he was going back like five or six years, but he was like a semi-famous, like, dog hiker, or hike, hiking dog <laughs> or whatever. But like, if I saw you, like I saw Littlefoot, she's like a little girl that goes hiking. I saw her in the, the owl's head sled. I finally met her a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So That's I was cool. excited to see that. But I always play it cool. I don't want to make a whole big scene. But I feel like if I saw you in Floki hiking, I would make a whole big scene about it. But like, you must <laughs> constantly get people that are like, oh my God, I saw Floki. Like, do you, uh, how do you deal with that? And how common is it that people um, approach you and be like, oh my God, I'm a fan? Oh God, all the time. Um, (laughs) and, and that's totally fine with me. Um, I love actually now that I'm over the awkwardness of it and I still don't understand it because to me she's, and this is going to sound heartless and I don't mean it to, but to me, she's just a cat. And for me starting to hike with her, it was just like a dog. Like I didn't, I know it was crazy but I was a solo hiker. I never really ran into anybody out there very much. And if I did, I, w- I kept to myself. They kept to themselves. Like it wasn't this huge community that has grown uh, with hiking buddies and everything else. And um, I think COVID has really, um, fortunately and unfortunately, like just brought so many people into the hiking community, which is wonderful. So there really wasn't that many people out there when I started. And so I'd bump into people and it was more like, oh, my God, that's a cat. Really? You know, at first. And then once she started to take off and people realized 
and I'm not, I guess I'm not sure what they realized, but they started to enjoy watching her. It's the novelty. And I got over that uncomfortable, awkward, because um, I am incredibly socially awkward. So it was hard at first for that, but now I welcome it. I love it. Um, obviously, we're a year in, a little bit more than a year in, and I have, I am so appreciative of the comments and the messages and everything that people send. So now when we're out there and this happens, I, I'm happy that they are able to meet her. And um, it truly brings me a lot of happiness watching their reactions and seeing that it makes their day or their hike. And it's still, even this past weekend, I met somebody who was just completely like awestruck and they're like, Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this day. I can't believe it. And it's just, it's yeah. still humbling. And, um, you know, it, <laughs> it still blows my mind. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's funny, but it does sort of open up the, like the thing that I like about it is, is it's sort of like, it's something that you, it's, it's like I talked about with that plane thing on the, um, you know, the, the banner and like, you see that all the time over the summer and you never think about like, okay, how did that actually happen? And it sort of opens up like, okay, well that's possible. So I think like with the, most of the time everybody knows cats and they just assume like, okay, cats are sort of these, you know, isolated creatures that will tolerate humans. But you've opened up this idea of like, okay, it is possible that you can, you can bond with a cat to hike. And, you know, it's, it just sort of opens it up to, uh, to, you know, I guess breaking the limits of what you thought was real. When that's and I saw on that first climb up Washington for me, there was a hiker up there who did have a cat. I believe he was on, I don't remember if he was on the AT or if he was just a day hiker. I can't remember. It was so long ago now, but he had a cat with him and it was not on a leash and it stayed right with him. And I remember just being awestruck myself at that and, and of course, you know, I don't think social media was as big as it is now. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, um, you know, that's incredible. So that, you know, popped into my mind when I realized that, you know, right now I, I really just don't have the means for dog. But so getting out there with her was just for me. I didn't think it was strange. I worried what other people would think. I was concerned that people would think that I was certifiable and, you know, the crazy cat lady. But I never thought. <laughs> that it would turn into what it has. Yeah. I sort of think the crazy cat lady thing has turned into like, um, like a cool thing now. Like people are embracing uh, it a little bit. So yeah, maybe where it seems that society is embracing all kinds of things these days. So yeah, exactly. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But I actually, before I forget about this, I did have a question for you. So you, you do backpacking. So you do overnight stuff with Floki as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And do you, how do you handle, I guess, safety at night? I'm assuming you're like, okay, Floki, you're in the tent and you're not moving, but can, can you talk a little bit about like how you manage safety, like uh, animals or, or just getting loose or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as always, uh, even in the tent with the zippers zipped and everything, I have her attached to me at all times. Just God forbid something ever got in the tent. Um you know, because they're not foolproof and we have bears and <laughs> raccoons um, <laughs> that like to come face to face with you. I learned this past weekend. <laughs> so um, I always um, I always keep her attached to me uh, on her leash and harness. Like she's if she's out of this house, she is harnessed and on a leash so that nothing like that 
hopefully could ever happen. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is, is you don't have to worry about like mice sneaking into your shelter in the middle of the night. Right. I know. Although I'm not sure she would know what to do with it if she saw it, actually, thinking about that. (laughs) Does does she do that awkward walk when the harness is on? Like wicked low to the ground? Yes, sometimes. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. And she does. There are some days where I call it the alligator roll. Um, Right. I'll put her in it, especially if it's like an after work. I'm just going (laughs) to quickly, as everybody knows, Black Cap here in town is one of my favorite summits just because you get the view of a 4,000 footer from a mile and a half up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's not deep. But if it's something like that, uh, sometimes she does the alligator roll where you put the harness on and she just falls over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can plop, like, mop the floor with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just take her for a drag. Yeah, right, but I'll just pick her up, and <laughs> she likes to talk a lot, so she'll chatter to me, and uh, you know, let me know how she's feeling in that moment. <laughs> and then, but once we're out, um, she she loves it, and you know, there's no there's no more grumbling, <laughs> as I call it. Um, and if there was, I would not make her go with me because uh, I had somebody on a trail. I forget the term he used. There's some some actual term for projecting your desires and wants onto your animal. Um, and I was like, no, she 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 does actually enjoy. It. And he goes, I know, I'm looking at her, and like <laughs> you're not forcing her to do this. She's actually smiling. And I was like, yeah, she <laughs> she does like being out here. Well, and that's a good point is like the nature versus nurture. If people were going to get into hiking with a cat, it sounds to me like you do definitely need to have a little bit of that sort of natural inclination for the cat to be willing to oh, walk sure. on a on a lead. Um, how long did it take you to like uh, test it out with Floki before you were like, okay, I can do a 4,000 oh. footer? <laughs> well, like I said, she's not normal. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, <laughs> I put her harness on and her lead and she did do that, you know, the alligator, like, oh my God, what is this? And like kind of thrashed around for a second, like a, like a normal cat or a dog when you put the booties on for the first time and they, you know, take off around the house and are <laughs> insane. Um, but she, once we got outside and she realized that she had freedom to explore even on that like six to 10 foot radius, um, she was just, she loved it. And so we did black cap was her first official hike. Um, and it was very long. And um, one of my other very close friends from work, uh, Kristen was with me and we were going up and, you know, we stopped every two feet for her to sniff every leaf. <laughs> oh, goodness. And um, so it took a really long time, but So I always say when people ask me, I'm like, you know, patience is you're going to be your number one advice that I will give anybody who takes on this endeavor of hiking with a cat. Uh, It's just like a puppy, you know, patience, Hmm. because they have their own agenda. They don't care that you want to go forward. They want to go backward. (laughs) So you you have to kind of redirect them. And And Black Cap is such like a great starter hike, whether it's for kids or for cats or for dogs. It's like, that's where I took all my kids to start off with. It it was the same thing with the kids. They're like, every two seconds, they're like, oh, I see a mushroom. I see a flower. Yes. (laughs) And oh my gosh, it's flat for a second. Let me run it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's. 
and that can be as hard as you want. Like when I was training for a Mount Baker um, last spring, I was weighing down my pack um, with anything I could think of. I had, I have free weights. I weight lift. And so um, putting those in there and carrying them up. So it, it can be a super easy hike, which is perfect for anybody starting out, but it can also be really hard depending on, you know, how you're preparing yourself. Yeah. Now, do you have any fear? Like I'm trying to, my buddy has goats and I'm trying to talk him into, I'm like, we're taking a goat up hiking. We're going <laughs> to, cool. there but are like, goats. I have not seen them, but I guess there are some goats. Uh, a gentleman actually messaged me, said he hikes with his goats. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said to my friend. I was like, it's got to be, it's got to be capable of hiking. But do you have any concerns, I guess, about non-traditional animals? Like, obviously, like I've, I've run into multiple situations where people have brought their dogs past the limit. Um, and it's always a, a bad thing. But I think for the most part, people are pretty responsible. But do you have any concern about like people seeing Floki? And then they're going to get into a situation where they push a cat that's maybe not not ready for for going out and doing hiking. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes, <laughs> because I don't want people to um, do as I do. I guess um, I've been out here for many years. Um, like I said, I I've done search and rescues. I carry my advanced EMT still. I'm a you know I'm in the medical field. Like I understand the risks. And, um, and with Floki, like it was a very slow learning process. Um, and I, and I worry that, you know, people, especially when she started to take off, I was like, oh God, like somebody's going to take, you know, their pet up there and then be like, well, Mel and Floki did it. And now I'm going to be responsible for whatever mishap happened. And, um, and yeah, it, yep. <laughs> I do. I worry. <laughs> And the media definitely like picked up this story. Like this, like when you Google your your, you know, Floki and your name, like it comes up like multiple articles. Like was that really? just organic, or was that, um, you know, did did you get hit up by a lot of media folks when when it went down, or did it was it just like a couple of different outlets, and then everybody else picked it up off of those outlets? Just like the last thing, um, I started, um, it, just like everybody's you know, interviewed and reported before I was on, I think we were going up Musilaki, her first 4,000 footer. And there was a hiker that was coming down asking me what my handle was. And I am illiterate when it comes to these things. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> She's like, your handle. And I was like, I don't, am I supposed to have a handler? Like, what are you talking about? No idea. Um, and she's like, no, on Instagram, with your hashtag. And I was like, the pound site? Like I, I had no idea. Um, and so, so Adventures with Floki Cat um, became a thing on Musilaki. And then I had a friend who had a bunch of followers and he shared it. Uh, Ryan um, Osborne, who I you're probably familiar with yep. um, from earlier posts. And he shared it. And then I think a radio station picked it up and they shared it. And then it just started growing from there. And then when... Um, cool a wmur shared it i remember i had to shut my phone off um that night because even though it was on silent it was just blowing up and it was incredibly overwhelming and i was so grateful for it um but i was just like oh my goodness <laughs> what to do with this this yeah. is not and then um as we got closer to her finish 
and the newspaper in town ran a cover story and like a whole spread about it. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. And I was like, I don't even know what to do with this because yeah. I didn't want this attention. Um, a lot of my close friends will tell you, like, I, I run in the other direction <laughs> and that's, you know, that's me. But I decided to start trying to use all of it for the good. Um, and so, you know, we did Seek the Peak, and I saw how far that took us. And then uh, Ben um, Peace from Hiking Buddies approached me and Megan uh, from Alzheimer's, and they were like, would you like to lead, you know, a group up? And, um, and so I did for Alzheimer's, and we That's raised, cool. I think, our group over $6,000 um, for that. And I've wow. got Seek the Peak again this year at the observatory. And, um, and then the Conway Area Humane Society we did, and we're doing again. Um, you know, the fundraiser for that, but it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> still, still. And Mel, what I would say is there was a period, like when COVID took off and like they closed down the, Everything. you know, the, a lot of the hiking, like people sort of said like, oh, let's mm -hmm. stay away from hiking. And there was a lot of sort of conflicts between the, you know, like don't come up here and spread COVID because we don't have the capacity in the hospitals. And there was a lot of, a lot of tension going back and forth. And then I think that sort of dissipated. Like, I feel like your story and Floki was one of those things that like we needed to sort of just say like, okay, let's, let's put all the nonsense behind us around the tension and let's look at something that was positive. And like, you that's the, you know, the, your adventures with Floki was like a pure story that everybody sort of could get behind and be like, this is awesome. That's what yeah. everybody says. Um, I think we all were going through some form of significant um, mental, physical, emotional battle, especially with COVID. Like every single person was um, affected by this. And um, for me, of course, I mean, I don't, obviously we don't live other people's lives, but for me, my world had just, completely on the, almost on the eve of COVID everything was completely turned upside down. And so, um, and then of course being in the medical field and being essential work, it, it just so many things. Like I didn't see my kids for a couple months just to stay away because we didn't know. And so, um, it was, it was very difficult. Um, and that's when I was doing a lot of the solo stuff. And then, you know, everything that happened later that summer before Floki and then just trying to find myself again and deal with the the mental um, health side of it and just being out there and knowing that, you know, when I'm out there, that's when I'm healing. That's when I'm getting stronger, uh, especially with all the physical ailments that, you know, I deal with. And so it's just, it's just crazy. And I think every person that has discovered or come upon our journey can relate to that. I try to be as real as possible. Um, I don't put a lot of my personal stuff out there, uh, but when I do, it's amazing how much more um, interaction it gets, I guess. I, I'm not sure what to call it, but um, so, and that's hard because I've always been fairly private. Um, so it's definitely brought me out of my comfort zone, but it's nice to know, you know, that I've helped a lot of people um and i was that positive um one woman said i was the positive light in her world of dark and um and so that that resonated with me hugely and there was a few others that were going through and we you know connected through messaging a lot and 
just helping people, even just being someone to talk to. I guess they saw me as someone they could reach out to. And I try really hard to um, to communicate with people when they do reach out. Sometimes it goes to, you know, the spam folders and stuff. But yeah, it's just, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's a great story. And mm-hmm. Stomp, I guess, are you... Are you now inspired to to try to get a? I don't think like I think Luna's like beyond the point of like ever doing. I, but like maybe you could at least put a put a harness on Daphne. Let's see. But you have a kitten. You could try with your kitten. Yeah, I have tried the harness with Daphne, and she does the the low crawl, um, <laughs> and the alligator yeah, she's roll. Crawling. Yeah, it, it's just. I don't know. I've I've taken her out, but we have just recently given her the privilege to go on the back deck, and we, you know the back deck is up maybe oh. ten feet. <laughs> the back deck, and then there's a railing, and you know she she could get down. She loves that. I bet she's oh she loves it. She's so spry. She could get down if she really wanted to, and that's what we're nervous about. But um, so far so good. Yeah. Like every afternoon, we'll open the door and let them out on the back deck, and. Um, you know, watches the birds and she has caught a couple birds, which is amazing to watch. You know, <laughs> she immediately has it in her mouth and wants to come in side and give it to us. And there was this one case oh, where yeah. she, she's so proud of herself. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. She's like, check this out. But, um, there was this one time she caught a bird, had it in her mouth for maybe 10 minutes. And then I finally came outside without letting her in and, Somehow she, you know, moved a particular way, and the bird got away. The bird actually survived. I couldn't believe it, but uh, yeah, it's been interesting watching her out there. She loves it. <laughs> That's so funny. And Luna's just, you know, she's just the sunbather. She just goes out there when the sun comes out in the afternoon and just soaks up the sun. She loves the heat, and then she comes back in and, and like goes right back to sleep. <laughs> That's all she does. She eats. Yeah, yeah, totally. Eats, sleeps, and soaks up the sun. (laughs) Oh, man, to be a cat. That's what I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm surprised Mrs. Stomp did not make an appearance. This was the episode I that I thought Mrs. Stomp would come downstairs and be like, I want to see Floki. She had a super late day and her back is a little sore. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Yeah. Well, if she does come down, I'd be happy to find her. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Stomp, anything else you want to we want to cover? I feel like we covered a lot with Mel. Oh, I think this has been great. It's, it's really fascinating. Yes, thank you so much. All right, Mel, we're going to talk about search and rescue stuff. So, you want to uh, you want to sit in with us, give your perspective. We we'd love to hear it. Sure. Yeah. No, I'd love to. Awesome. So, um, I think Stomp, I can start off with you. You put in a like a net. So, typically, Mel, what we'll do is like we'll look at like some national articles, and then we'll talk about local stuff. So, I think Stomp, you put in a national article. I didn't even read this ahead of time. So, do you want to just give a breakdown on this one? <laughs> well, I just think it's. It's sort of unusual because the article says that uh, Florida residents are amazed to see a gigantic bear touring their neighborhood. And I guess oh, this wow. was in Naples, Florida. The bear looks like the size of a refrigerator. Oh, my God. And I was just curious, Mike, if that's something that's common for Florida. I mean, I, this is the first time I've ever seen a, an article about a bear wandering around in Florida. But the thing is massive. It's like a so polar bear. I will post this. Yeah, I will post this on the show notes. This is an enormous bear. Enormous. So bears are common in Florida, but I, I don't know how common they are in <laughs> like residential areas. But this thing has got to be like half the size know, how, of a car. What's the biggest? What's the biggest size for black bear? Like this thing's got to weigh a black 40, bear too. I mean, Four hundred pounds. Oh, 
easy. That's probably even heavier. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like the size of a refrigerator walking around. Anyway, yeah, so they are they're pretty common, but um, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Occasionally we talk about Florida, so I thought I would throw that in there because it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with the first one, Stomp. I think you went actually went out on this rescue. So this was an injured hiker carried off the Centennial Trail. So the Centennial Trail is, um, I believe, up by like that, like Rattle River. It's in Shelburne. Yeah, it's off. Like it's when you cut across the AT and you head up towards like Mount Hayes in that whole area there it's like is it on the app it's it's part of the it Appalachian is. Trail I think right yeah so yes. I love that area um but what how far up was this person and what uh how did you end up that that far up north by the way you know I I think district 1 which covers the, the northern uh portion of the state over to Maine was a bit short-handed because earlier in the day they were getting bombarded by multiple calls of hypothermic people so i think that may have been the main um reason yeah that's a hike for us i mean generally we stay in you know the notch over to crawford notch but um this was like an hour hour and 15 hour and 20 away and um but you know the lieutenant over there lieutenant ober was was certainly happy that we were able to help out and uh yeah we joined in with avsar and uh, fishing game. I, this woman was a couple miles up and um, just, her, you know, lower leg injury. Um, easy enough. Uh, the only concern that everybody had was the weather. And I can tell you, driving over there, it was pouring cats and dogs. And at one point, I made a quick little pit stop to pick up a few radios. And I get out of my truck and I'm, I'm freezing. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be pretty rough. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, the weather sort of cleared up in that area, thankfully. So it was drizzly at times, but it wasn't too bad. You know, we used the litter and then towards the bottom of the trail, put the uh, litter wheel on and uh, made really good time. So, but that led directly into the story of the weekend, um, which I'll let you cover. Yeah, yeah. So the, um, again, the Centennial Trail was a uh, 39-year-old female hiker from New Jersey. So lower leg injury, like Stomp had said. So as that was going on, there was another um, call that came in, which was um, a hypothermic hiker that was carried off the Gulfside Trail near Mount Clay. So this was a 53-year-old gentleman from Andover, Mass., and he apparently was, as best I can tell, he was doing a presidential traverse or, you know, some otherwise up on Mount Washington. And he started experiencing some uh, hypothermic uh, conditions. And he was, I guess, aware enough that he could call his wife. And basically, uh, you know, it must, I can only imagine what the wife felt like. But, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, person yeah. contacted his wife, said, look, I'm not doing well. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um Apparently, he was able to give her some indication of where he was located, and that initiate she called nine one one, and that initiated a rescue. Um, the The rescue team was able to navigate up the auto road. So earlier in the show, we had talked about how the auto road, uh, mm-hmm. the Mount Washington auto road race, had been actually stopped at the halfway mark. Main reason for that is because you're talking about like icy conditions. So having vehicles go up there, matter of fact, they just paved over the dirt section of that. Um, So it probably makes it even more treacherous. 
So they were able to get some vehicles up there to get the rescuers up to the summit of the observatory area and then hike down. And it looked like some from the video that I saw, there was a crew of somewhere between, I don't know, 12 to 14 people across like um, mountain rescue services and um, the conservation officers. And they were able to package him up pretty quickly. In a sked. And then I believe, yeah. And I think they hiked him back up. Um, from Gulfside up to Mount Washington, and they were able to drive him down. And the initial reports were that, you know, he was, you know, taken to the hospital and, you know, was under observation. There was no other details of his condition, but unfortunately he did succumb to hypothermia and did not survive. So he, 53-year-old gentleman from Andover, passed away, which is an absolute horrible story. That particular area has been, you know, multiple rescues and people getting in trouble up there. So it's just very difficult to, uh, you know, to hear this type of story, but it does happen, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Rescue has endured driving rain, blowing snow, and sustained 50 to 60 mile an hour winds with gusts up to 80. Um, at 10.38 p.m. they found him originally, and they put a shelter over him. I'm, I'm curious, that may have been a Bothy, Bothy shelter, which is, if anybody's familiar with kindergarten, when you used to put pull the parachute, everybody would hold onto the parachute and then pull it up and over and behind you. Uh, the Bothy bags are similar in nature, and uh, that may have been the case here because I can't imagine what else they would have put up for a shelter. But it's sort of neat. You know, at least it provides uh, shelter while you're trying to package somebody or warm somebody up that may be hypothermic. Wow. And just as we're talking about this, Floki's making an appearance. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you hear chattering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is great. Um, but yes, Stomp, I think with this thing here, this situation, um, you know, I don't even know if it's a matter of like not being prepared or whatever. Like, I don't think that no matter what gear you have with you in that driving rain and 70 mile an hour winds in that cold conditions, like you are just not, no matter how well prepared you are, you're going to be in big trouble. Does the story mention what his ambition was for the day? Uh, I did read one, a follow-up article that said he was doing a presidential traverse, which to me, that's doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense given the timeline you're talking about here because if he did a presidential traverse, and again, I'm assuming he would go north to south just because that's where most people tend to do it. He would have come up Valley Way and then made his way. He was pretty damn far away from finishing that presidential traverse by the evening, so I would have thought that he would have bailed out somewhere else. You know, I don't know if he had made it to the junction of um, the Jewel Trail or the Jewel Trail, to, and, and he was going to bail out there. But that would um, seem like a uh, a reasonable bailout point because he was right there, right, Mount Clay, more or less, close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was he was right there. But he could have been going the other direction. I'm not sure. Um, so many, but factors. I can tell you that you know I've been on hikes where somebody suffered from hypothermia, and you know we were able to get hot liquids in him, and he recovered, but. Once, once you go past that line, if you're by yourself, like you are not, you can't. Yeah, it's just it's a quick, quick and, thing. And then add on poor visibility and high winds. It's a recipe for disaster. So, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, and it, the sad thing is, is that like they were they were there, and 
you know, you got to feel horrible for the rescuers because they probably thought that they made it on time and they did everything they could once they got to them to keep them alive, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I remember coming back from uh, Shelburne, the Centennial Trail, and having, I think, two or three fishing game vehicles flying the other direction. I mean, it was all hands on deck um, as I was coming home from that first one. And uh, they were just cruising. Uh, everybody did the best they, they could in the situation. Not an easy yeah. situation. Yeah, and I mean, well, so now you've got on Saturday night, you've already got like the day before, everybody's putting on social media to stay off the high summits because it's bad. Then you've got Saturday morning, you've got the mountain, the, the Mount Washington road race. They cut that in half because of the bad weather. Then you've got your rescue on Centennial Trail. You've got the situation that happened on the Gulf side. And at the same time, on Saturday, there was a hiker that experienced cold weather conditions and called 911 that was on Tuckerman's Ravine. Right. They were luckily helped by some good Samaritan hikers who provided clothes and got him down. I'm assuming probably to like Hermit Lake, the AMC shelters yeah. down there. Um, you had another group that was on Mount Eisenhower that called for a rescue due to cold and wet conditions, which my understanding was they were talked down by the the CO that took the call and told them to get moving and get down. Yeah. And you also had another hiker that I'm assuming was in the vicinity of Mount Adams that experienced hypothermia and was able to be carried down by Good Samaritan hikers to an RMC hut, which I'm assuming would be Gray Knob, which has a stove. So... Um, not only did you have the rescue on Centennial in the situation with the gentleman on the Gulf side, but you had at least three other groups of hikers that were in significant trouble. So what's the issue here? I mean, in my opinion, I don't think the weather that we experienced this weekend was out of the ordinary for this time of the year. I really don't. So what's, what's the issue? I mean, are we not getting the word out is i mean is it just the new influx of inexperienced hikers i mean what's going on this is a this is a big event for this weekend um multiple calls in bad weather i just think it's a little unusual i think the fishing game press release sort of lines it up pretty well and they say sometimes having enough gear is not enough in weather conditions experienced this weekend it's better to descend and get out of the wind and cold instead of pushing on until it's too late. I think we've got a lot of experience amongst ourselves and we've seen and done sort of a lot. And the problem I think that a lot of these people run into is that they haven't been in situations where they've been at risk and they just don't know where that line is to turn around at the right time in you know, and again, anything's possible. I could always get myself in trouble, but I feel like I've done enough in the whites where I'm not going to risk a, a sketchy weather situation. Like I have no problem turning around. And I think a lot of people are goal driven. They're focused on completing something and they don't factor in the risk as much as they factor in the fact that they want to accomplish something. Yeah, I, I guess it's just the, the forecast was not a surprise. And when you see um, you know, an organization like the observatory saying you probably shouldn't do this this weekend. I mean, you should probably heed the warning. I mean, what's, I just don't get it. I mean, some people just take such risk. I said, or at least if you still feel like you have to do it, be prepared. Sure. 
yeah. can maybe listen to your body. Like, I mean, who knows, honestly, what was going on um, up there for that gentleman, especially. And maybe he just, who knows. But yeah. I haven't read any, I haven't had a chance to actually look at anything or really read anything. But um, I know for anybody that I've ever helped or um, talked to after or been involved with, like it, it was just, it is, it's goal driven. Um, and you just don't listen to yourself because you're so headstrong and you just want to hit that goal. And summit um, fever. You miss that cue, you know, from your body, like, hey, <laughs> I'm not okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm guilty of that at times as well. I mean, I think we all are probably. Um, but it just, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And th- those weather conditions were pretty unique. I mean, when you start getting wet, it's just a different scenario than even like winter oh, yeah. conditions. Yeah, it just things can go south so quickly. As a matter of fact, there was another guy that posted a, a, his own story on Reddit. He was going to do a a Glen Boulder to isolation and out Rocky Branch traverse, and he got up there, got hit with the wet conditions, and instead of him turning around and saying like, "Okay, I'm just going to go back," he was like, "Well, I want to save my day." So instead, I'm just going to do the loop down Bootspur. And even that, he got in trouble. He's like, by the time I got to Bootspur <laughs> and I was going down, like I was still so exposed for another couple of miles that I started experiencing issues coming down Bootspur. So even when you think like, okay, I'm making a more reasonable, safe decision, you know, you, you didn't because you didn't have enough time. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, Flo- yeah, Floki's sitting in with us now. Does Floki want to join Volunteer SAR? I don't know. I'm not sure what yeah. that look was. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a couple of other stories, Stomp, but I think we're uh-huh. hitting up you know, an hour and 40 here, so I think let's hold those for the next episode. But um, anything else that we wanted to get out of Floki and Mel? I, I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. And like, you were definitely on our like target list. We're like, we want Mel and Floki on our show. Oh, anytime. <laughs> anytime. Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll have you back again. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully we'll see you out on the trail. And again, thank you so much. And, um, for listeners, thanks a lot. And we'll, uh, we'll see you on episode 65. All right. right. Later. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stump, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. 
And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Nealon, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.